You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Hello and welcome to Sports Day SA on this Tuesday afternoon. My name is Daniel Menzel and I'm joined by the voice of the 36ers here on SEN, Paul Bonzo. Bonzo, how are you going? I'm good, Menz. Uh, how are you on this beautiful Tuesday? I'm going well, thank you very much. I uh, am looking forward to talking uh, a few really interesting topics today. But before we move into that, if you would like to join the show, text in on the week's open line on 0427 154 166 or give us a call on 1300 736 736. Discover exceptional customer service with Weeks Homes. Discover different. Now, Bonds, coming up on today's show, we've got SEN's own Adam Collins going to talk to us about the Test match in Perth starting tomorrow against the West Indies. Cannot wait. It's a bit weird that it's not in Brisbane, but can't wait for the Test match to start. Absolutely. It'd be great. We're going to touch on a little bit of the NBA action from today, and we're going to do our true or false. So we're going to have a few interesting ones in there, some interesting takes. I'm really looking forward to getting into that with you. But before we do... Let's start, as always, with our hot topic. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. Now, we have to start with the AFL draft. It obviously started last night, the first round. It's going to continue tonight, very shortly, actually. Um, Some interesting picks. Uh, Let's have a listen to who got selected with the number one pick in the AFL draft. With pick one, the Giants have selected Aaron Cadman from the Greater Western Victorian Rebels and the Daly Junior Football Netball Club. There you go. So we just had a little technical difficulty there, but (laughs) we are going to talk the AFL draft and uh, we're going to talk about the players that um, got picked up last night. Now it's an incredible experience in these young men's lives, 17 years of age. Some of them just obviously turned 18. I was very lucky to experience this. Uh, They do it really well nowadays. They're over there in Melbourne um, or wherever they've done it in the past in the Gold Coast and other venues. But the players are there. They've got all their families over there and they get to experience this in the full um, extent. And we saw that last night uh, with the draft picks taken. What was it, How different was it when you were drafted? Like, was, was there a similar room? Was there similar coverage? Uh, there was the, my year was the first year that it was actually telecast uh, thought, on yeah. TV. So... In the past, it had been around a radio and I'd, I'd talked to different people about stories who were sitting there during the day and they were sitting there at work and they had the radio on in the background and they'd hear their name called out and they'd be like, oh, I actually got drafted. Um, so it's, uh, it was fabulous that they're able to now telecast it and guys are able to get the full experience, which we obviously saw last night. Um, and obviously uh, it was uh, Mateus Philippou getting picked up at pick 10, which was great to see. Yeah, um, it certainly is. But we've got a bit of a change to the schedule here. Um, now, we we plan to speak to Adam Collins later in the show, 
But uh, things have changed, and we've got to speak to Colo now. So, Adam Collins, welcome to Sports Day. Great to be on. Sorry to mess with your schedule. I, I go <laughs> off for a bit shortly, and I, I wanted to make sure I got a chance to talk to you guys first. No, it's great to have you, Colo. Colo is brought to us by Tire Power Brands. You can trust like Max's Tires. Big holiday sale on now. We did touch on just a moment ago that the cricket, the test matches do start and start tomorrow in Perth. So, Colo, let's let's get straight into it. We obviously we take on the West Indies. Um, what can we expect from this West Indies team that has come to Australia? Probably a lot of people don't know a lot about the side. Uh, how are they going to fare against us? Yeah, I think it's reasonable that Australian fans wouldn't know an awful lot about this group of West Indian players because the truth is they haven't been here for seven years. So, And that was a fairly awful series. Australia won 2-0. It would have been 3-0 if not for the downpour in Sydney across three separate days. And they were borderline uncompetitive under Jason Holder. The good news is that they are better now as a test side. They have invested quite a bit into the long-form game in the last couple of years under the leadership of Craig Brathwaite. They haven't lost a test match this year. They beat England 1-0 at home and they swept Bangladesh 2-0. So a relatively small sample size. But, I mean, that's compared to the amount of test cricket that Australia played. But I feel like there, there has been a bit of a shift in emphasis where the West Indian players have had to almost make a choice between red ball cricket and white ball cricket over the last generation or so for sort of well-documented financial reasons. When now I, I feel like there is a group coming through who are prioritising red ball cricket, and thus it's the building blocks of something. So, I mean, I, I think that they will be outmatched in Perth on a pitch that will be lively, and I, I suppose we'll come to that in a moment. But taking it as a whole, in terms of the progression of West Indian cricket, it feels like they are in a better place than when the last time they visited back in fifteen sixteen. So before we get to the pitch, if we move to the Australian side of things, it's been a pretty solidified team now for a number of years. There hasn't been too many changes are we expecting that to be the same for this series? Yeah, it's the most straightforward 11 you could ever wish to pick. Uh, Pat Cummins, when we spoke to him this morning, said as much that he's never played in a more stable side. But again, this is quite interesting. This is the start of like a 15-test match run, if you like. There's five this summer. Then there's the World Test Championship final in June, if they make it. Um, between times, they play India in four matches over in India in February and March. And then they finish off with an Ashes series in England. So for this generation, players like, say, Warner and Kawaja, who are 36 and 35 years old, respectively, Mitchell Stark's 33, Nathan Lyons, 35. I mean, they may not play another important stretch of cricket quite like this, and it starts here. So even if the Windies will be, the, on, on paper at least, the most straightforward of these series, it all builds to a focal point next year in, in England uh, and in India. So as far as the... The set-and-forget 11 they've had really for the better part of four years, if you consider um, that fast bowling group of Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark and the spinner line. They've been together now for five summers non-stop since Cummins returned to Test cricket on a full-time basis in 2017 when he recovered from all of those various back injuries. So it's very rare you see a group of cricketers who play that consistently together. And I think at the moment that's their, their foundation and their strength. There's no real surprise in the Aussie squad as well. And, and Pat Cummins had come out and named that side today. But Marcus Harris misses out. Scott Boland misses out. Um, is Scotty Boland unlucky to miss out on selection? <laughs> oh, look, I, I think with Boland, what they'll do is they'll, they'll ensure that he plays this year at some stage. Remembering they're playing five test matches in six weeks. It is a, it is a, a cramped schedule, as it regrettably always seems to be these days in Australia. So... 
gone are the days of a, a test series taking two months or longer. They really squeeze them in, and that's two against the Windies and three against South Africa. I'd be surprised if they, they use Hazelwood and Stark to play every test. Cummins, they probably will because he's captain, but I can see room for rotation and rest there. And, and of course, Boland's record's unbelievable, isn't it? He averages, what, nine in test cricket or something ridiculous. And um, there'll also be an emphasis on wanting him to play because he went to Pakistan, he went to Sri Lanka, and he was never really going to play. But this time next year, or, or, or should I say in June, July next year in England, he will play. Uh, much as it was with Peter Siddle in 2019, in all probability, yes. they will see Boland as a great bowler for those conditions with an edge over England already. So I doubt they'll want to take him to England next year for an Ashes series without any test cricket between what happened last summer and what's going to happen next summer. So it stands to reason to me that they'll give him an opportunity or two through the next six weeks to, um, to just to reinforce that he's a bowler that can do it at this level. Now, Colo, you mentioned the pitch before. There's been a little bit of commentary around that. What can we expect to see from the wicket over in Perth at Optus Stadium? Yeah, we were just doing a press conference with the curator. I love that, by the way. It's the only country in the world where we get to do press conferences with the curator before a test match. It's great. Um, and, and uh, I mean, they don't even call them curators anywhere, but here I, I, I'm lucky enough to, to cover cricket around the world. And they're simply groundsmen everywhere. But here, I like this sort of a, an artistic notion around someone who develops a pitch in Australia. I think it's a great part of our, our cricketing culture. Anyway, um, he was telling us that they've left 12 millimetres of grass on the surface overnight. Um, they reserve the right to take some off before the toss, but I was taking a look at the pitch a couple of hours ago and it's, look, it's green. Um, that, that, I mean, it's the only way to describe it. The, um, the curator went on to say that that just reflects the fact that the grass is nice and healthy and they need to leave moisture and grass uh, in the surface because it's really hot here. It was 37 today. It's meant to be 38 tomorrow, the latest forecast I've seen. And, and we know over the years that in Perth, if they don't leave moisture and grass on there early, it tends to really crack open by days four and five. And we want that, don't we? We want a Perth pitch to crack open. That's part of the charm of being over in the West. But um, there is a point where that can be um, to the detriment of the contest. So I think on that basis, we can expect a fast, lively um, surface on, on morning one, which would be great. And it might even incentivise Pat Cummins to bowl first. We saw what happened at the Gabba 12 months ago against England when they got the chance to bowl first on morning one. They bowled it out for 150 and set the tone for the series. So I'm not saying that Cummins would necessarily elect to bowl first, but um, usually the etiquette, of course, being on a, on a hot day to bat if you get the opportunity. But if Australia did get the chance to bowl, if the Windies batted first, then it might play right into their favour on a surface like this. Speaking of bowlers, the West Indies have a young bowler by the name of Jaden Seals. He's the youngest West Indian to take a five-wicket haul in a test match. He has yep. played nine tests, has 36 wickets at just over 21. Um, tell us a little bit about Jaden Seals. Yeah, and a strike rate of 40, which is right up there with the very best to play the game. So he's slippery. He swings the ball. I wouldn't call him express pace. Alzari Joseph is genuinely quick. Yes. Seals is more a kind of guy who will land it on a handkerchief and move it around. And as you say, he's only 21. He took that five for at Sabina Park against Pakistan last year in a, in a match-winning effort. And he's been great this year, super consistent. So, um, look, it, it's exciting that the West Indies are producing genuine match-winning bowlers. And our Zari Joseph, you can expect to see him, if he gets on a roll, bowling up around 150 kilometres an hour. And you combine with those two, Kemar Roach, who's, I think he's got 250-odd test wickets now. He's been going around for a long time. But, but he feels like his best cricket's been in the last few years as far as his output for the West Indies and in domestic cricket, both in the Caribbean and in England. So as a trio, they're pretty strong. 
Um, so, as I said before, if if Australia get the chance to bowl at the Windies tomorrow morning, they'll be in the game. The same will apply if the West Indies are bowling first. If they can get it right with the new ball on a surface that should suit with those three seamers complemented by Jason Holder, who's got a great record, uh, the former captain. I mean, he's nowhere near as quick as the other three, but a good record nevertheless. Uh, and even Kyle Mayers, who's a genuine medium pacer. You, you'll watch him bowl and you'll think nothing of him. Um, but he's got his test wickets at 13 this year, so there's clearly something going right. Uh, and he's got a bit of a, a golden hand about him. He took a took a five wicket haul against England over earlier this year back at back at home. So you, you would think that they were going with all five of those seamers and maybe Roston Chase, the off spinner as well, who can bat inside the top six. Yeah. Now look, we're looking forward to the game here at SEN. But ticket sales probably haven't been fantastic. To be fair, Colo, is is that mm. a Perth mm. thing? Is that a potentially a World Cup hangover? I guess from the T20. Competition is it Justin Langer over there? There's a few various reasons. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's a, a little from all of those columns. I'd also add that when we've had Test cricket played at the Wacker at this time of year, that the crowds have been pretty small as well. When England haven't been involved, there was a, a Test match between Australia and South Africa that I was covering in probably 2016, and there wouldn't have been more than 12,000 there on day one. So you measure um, against historical standards. I, I don't think. This will be a complete outlier, but you're absolutely right in saying that in a big 60,000-seater stadium, um, when they're at the back of a poor World Cup and there is the Langer factor, it's unavoidable. Pat Cummins was asked a number of questions about Langer at his press conference this morning and handled them quite well, but he was quite strident in reminding um, the gathered media that there are no cowards in his team, using his words, (laughs) and of course, um, that was the term that, that Langer used last week to describe sources who spoke to the media about his coaching style and uh, and and I think that with Cummins, he's, he's not going to sort of uh, shirk the contest, if you like, when it comes to those kind of topics. And look, uh, I put it to him today that there's a criticism of him out there in the public that he is, quote, too woke and that they'll take the knee tomorrow um, in a test match for the first time with the West Indies here. And he just brushed us straight off. He's like, well, if you, yeah, we're sports people, but if we're, we're also human beings and we're going to say what we think. So um, there, there might be some criticism that comes his way around topics like that, but but he doesn't seem to mind and they're just happy to get on and, and do their job and at the same time um, say what they think on the way through. Colo, what are you looking forward to m- the most out of this test series? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Look, I think it comes back to where we started. I'd love to see a competitive West Indies side in Australia. I mean, we all would have had that sort of visceral experience growing up watching the Windies with four quicks steaming in, knocking over Australian sides. Look, that isn't realistic at the moment. They, they, they aren't at that part of their development. But wouldn't it be great to see two competitive test matches on two great surfaces? I reckon there's a case to be made that, that Perth and Adelaide give the most in the country right now for bowlers. Maybe Melbourne um, last year as well against England. But these should be two pitches that, that are exciting, that do provide the, the backdrop to good test cricket. And that's all we can really ask for. The last time the Windies were out here in 15-16, it was right in the middle of that time where every pitch was a feather bed. Every pitch was a flatty. And it didn't make for exciting test cricket. It meant the Australian batters could get on top and bat all day. I just don't sense it'll be like that. Maybe that's a little bit of wishful thinking, but um, their comparative advantage is their bowling, the West Indies, as, as we touched on throughout. So if they can get it right and, and they can be in the test match after a couple of sessions, I, I like to think that, that that will provide viewers and listeners throughout the five days with, with something interesting, a real contest to start the summer. Colo, insightful as always. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Day SA. A pleasure.
There you have it. Adam Collins there from SEN Cricket. Up to 12 millimetres of grass on the pitch. He's talked about that. Could make things interesting with the fast bowlers. I just want to see the bowlers sort of get stuck in, especially day one of the Test match in Perth. And it's great for some of the West Indian quicks as well. It gives them a real chance and potentially makes it a game of it, which is what we obviously want. Now, Bonds, I checked out the my game pass today in the NFL. The Steelers obviously knocked off the Colts 24-17. to 17. Stream every NFL game this season live on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. Stick with us as we get back onto the AFL draft after the break. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA. Now, Bonds, before the break, I did say we were going to get onto the AFL draft, but we do have a special guest, last minute special guest coming up. So we will just hold on that and sit tight and we will get to our true or false, which is brought to us by Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. True or false time. Bonds, I'm going to let you have the new ball. What have you got for me? Um, True or false, Dan. The Aussie public have fallen out of love with the Australian cricket team. True to an extent. I think that the Aussie public doesn't love uh, the way Patrick Cummins has handled himself. Uh, they don't love what's happened with the Sandpaper Gate and how there's only a few that have gone down and everyone else has distanced himself. So, and Justin Langer obviously is another reason. So I certainly don't think the Australian cricket team is the most popular Australian team at the moment. True or false, Bonds, we're going to stay on cricket. Let's go. The Adelaide Strikers will do the BBL double. Well, as you know, last Friday I predicted that the girls would win. You did? And I'm going to predict that the guys will not win. (laughs) No, no. no. I mean, they will. I don't know. It's too hard. um, Let's say yes, just for fun, that there'll be a double. So it'll be uh, premiership for the Strikers, premiership for the Strikers. That'd be huge. That would absolutely be huge. Uh, true or false, Dan? Socceroos will go through to the next round. That is true. The, oh, the reason that is true is because we play Denmark tomorrow night. It is at one thirty a.m. So effectively Thursday morning, Wednesday night. Now, Denmark need to win. We only need a draw, or obviously win, and we go through. I believe that if we, if Denmark required a draw, we wouldn't go through. They're going to have to attack. They've only scored one goal this tournament. They haven't looked that fluent up front. They need to attack, which is going to mean that we're going to be able to counter-attack. And I believe someone like a Matthew Leckie will get them on the counter-attack and will manage at least a draw. Yeah, we've scored double the amount of goals they have. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> All right, Dad. Um, will there be more than six South Australians drafted tonight? That is true. I am going to go off the back of what Brenton Phillips said when we had yes. him on a week or so ago where he said they look at 15% as their number to get drafted. So I believe that we have six that are definitely good enough. I'm, I'm hopeful that there'll be seven or eight um, that are actually going to get picked up tonight. Uh, we're going to go – we have a couple more here, I think, Pons. Do you want me to go next or would you like to um, – Well, I'm going to ask you whether you think that um, – yeah, because I read the wrong one. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you whether the draft class – this year's draft class is the hardest group of names to pronounce for uh, commentators. That is absolutely <laughs> true. That is absolutely true. Now, these are some of the names. Sheasel went at pick three. Uh, then you've got 
Setsis at pick five. I'm not well sure done. I've got that one right. And then we've also got Ginby at nine and Filippo at ten. There's a couple after that as well. DeLoya potentially hopefully goes. There's another one. So there's some really tough ones now. Bond's last true or false. True or false, it is possible to hit more than six sixes in an over. That is true and proven by uh, Guy Quad of India in a basically domestic one day. He hit seven sixes in an over. So there was a no ball. That's hard to do. Yeah, ended up 220 not out. Not bad. That is absolutely inc- incredible to do. Seven sixes in an over. We're yep. not going to see that very often. He plays for the Chennai Super Kings in the IPL. Yeah. Well bowled Shiva Singh. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Stick around after the break. We will get into the AFL draft. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back. And calling in on the week's open line is Troy from WA. Discover exceptional customer service. Weeks home. Discover different. Now, Troy, always great to hear from you. What would you like to chat to us today about? <laughs> i give you a guess. Um, Justin Langer and Pat Cummins. <laughs> Pat the Rat. Pat the um, Rat. You're not, you're not a fan, hey, Troy. Boy. Mate, I do have some dignity and moral and standards. No, I'm not. And I don't think half the state is, or probably most of the state. Boys, you'll find out how much JL's, how much support JL gets. I think the capacity is 60. So say if they get three, there's 57,000 people that support JL. And Patrick Cummins saying that, oh, you know, they don't care, or he doesn't care, what they say or do, they're just going to do it anyway. Well, you've got to face the consequences sometimes. And Pat would be good if he wants to go into politics after cricket, uh, boys. He could do what David Pocock done and go into politics, but he needs to separate them. And he's already got one good trait with um, politicians. He's a good backstabber. Now, Troy, we interesting. We just spoke with Adam Collins about the crowd in WA. How many do you think will show up for day one? Uh, with it being, I've heard, 38, 39 degrees, I reckon I'll be lucky to get seven or eight. Thousand. And most of them will probably be in, in the corporate boxes anyway. So that would be disappointing. That would be disappointing, yeah. and that would be exactly as you just said. It would really show the WI where they stand with what's happened with Justin Langer and Pat Cummins. So, Troy, thanks very much. Love call, you calling in straight over there from WA. Um, enjoy the cricket. It doesn't sound like you're going to, but um, <laughs> keep sticking by Justin Langer. And there he is. He's gone now. Bonds, we did talk about uh, just changing the show up a little bit. We had a special Because we had to. Because <laughs> we had to. And we've had to pivot. And we've pivoted to our next guest who is brought to you, us by Toolkit Depot, your trade pro partner. Nail your Christmas shopping list at Toolkit Depot with our huge range of tools and top brands. Uh, we have got my brother, Troy Menzel, on the line. Troy, how are you going? Hey, boys. How are we? Back-to-back Troys. Yes, we do. (laughs) Now, I'm guessing you've just uh, finished your weights. Yeah, yep. Just knocked off a bit of rehab and a bit of weight. So, good timing, actually. Very good timing. Perfect timing. The AFL draft for the second night is about to start. We're probably about 20 minutes away. And so, what we thought we'd do 
is we'd get you on uh, and just to talk about your draft experience. Uh, I was obviously a part of it and am aware of what happened draft night, but just uh, fill in the listeners at home, I guess, how the experience was for you. Yeah, so mine was back in geez, back in 2012 now, so yeah, 10 years ago, and um, that was held up in the Gold Coast up there. First time I think I'd been moved out of Melbourne, so um, yeah, flew up there for, for the night, for the weekend, um, so with, with some family flew up there, and um, they, they put you up in the hotel, and um, yeah, you go you go up there during the day, like during draft night. You go up there that day, so you're not up there. You don't have a heap of time to sort of relax up there. And then once once we got up there, it was sort of um, check into your hotel, have maybe an hour or two to yourself, and then um, pretty much the media stuff sort of sort of got going. And you had a few interviews and and whatnot. And I think there's about twenty twenty of the boys invited to draft night. So the clubs usually pick their they send a list through and they pick the 20, 20 names that the most come up, most likely to get selected um, early on in draft night. So there's about 20 of us up there and I think about probably 15 or 16 of the boys knew they were pretty confident of where they were going. Um, but for me, I actually really had absolutely no idea. I had a few clubs say they would take me if I was available at, at, um, at certain picks. So I, I spoke to Western Bulldogs a lot. They had five and six and... Um, they were pretty pretty strong, saying that they would like to take me to one of those, which didn't happen. Um, Port at seven said that if I was there, they would most likely take me, which didn't happen. Um, so fell through, and Carlton was actually a team who um, I'd barely spoken to pre-draft. So I'd had an interview with them maybe halfway through the year, but apart from that, I'd had no contact with them really at all. So it wasn't until actually probably about 30 minutes before the draft started um, the head recruiter at the time, Shane Rogers, actually just came up to me out of nowhere and just sort of shook my hand and said, "Oh, good luck, mate." Um, which, in hindsight, I think he knew they he was gonna they were gonna take me, but it was sort of something I just glanced over. Looking back on it now, you you sort of read between the lines there. But yeah, once once I fell to Carlton and it was their pick, I actually didn't really have any expectations that they were gonna take me. So when they did take me, it was actually a bit of a surprise. It's interesting, isn't it, Troy? That uh, recruiters do, I guess, make promises that aren't always accurate and, and true. And they do say, we're going to take you at this pick. We're going to pick you at seven. We'll pick you at nine. It doesn't happen. The players above you, you said that a lot of them had an idea where they were going to go. Did that play out as they expected? And who are a few of the names from your draft that have uh, gone on to do big things? Yeah, so I think it was, it was pretty set in stone. Whitfield was going to go at number one. Um, O'Rourke and Plowman were going to join him two and three. Three Victorian boys going to GWS. Um, the, the one they were tossing up was uh, the, the Jimmy Tumpus and Ollie Wines at pick four. Um, Ollie Wines obviously had a lot of connections with Jack Viney, um, family connections there, and, and Jack got selected um, in, the, in the mini draft the year before. So... The toss up there, which what the clubs weren't sure which were going to go, which way it was going to go, and uh, Melbourne ended up going with Jimmy Tumpus, which meant um, Port went with uh, Ollie Wines at seven. So that sort of is why that fell in place. But yeah, there's a couple there. Whitfield's gone on to become a, a great player. Um, Bulldogs at five and six actually picked Jackson McRae and Jake Stringer. So they um, did very well with those two picks there. They also had Lockie Hunter later on in the draft in that one. So uh, they did very well. Uh, Ollie Wines obviously at seven. Uh, Nick Lofton went at eight to Richmond Tigers. He's a three-time Premiership player, so they've done really well there. Joey Danaher was a father-son um, at pick 10. And Sam Mays, I think, went at pick nine to Brisbane. And 
he um he ended up playing a fair few games as well. So there's there's a top ten which probably yeah went on to play quite a few AFL games really. Yeah, there's some profile names there and some decent players there. Now you probably agree with me here that Port would have been disappointed that uh, Melbourne picked uh, Jimmy Tumpus instead of Ollie Wines. Uh, I, I think yeah, they 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 would have been a little bit. Um, I think a lot of clubs also had. Jimmy going in the top three as well. Um, but with US going with the three Melbourne boys, you can understand why they wanted to do that. Um, yeah, Paul probably weren't really sure where where he was going to land. But I think Bulldogs as well um, could have floated the idea of taking Tumpus and myself at five and six uh, with two Adelaide boys if he was there. So, yeah, it was sort of a wild card one where he wasn't too sure where, where he was going to play out. So, Troy, you talk about... Uh, there's a lot of talk about kids and the go-home factor. And for you, will you even have that in the back of your mind that when you went to Carlton that you'd come home to Adelaide sooner or later? Or or was it just, I want to play for Carlton and that's it? Yeah, I think think at that stage I was was just happy to be drafted, to be honest. Um, You do, I, I guess when you do speak to recruiters going into it, you do sort of get into your mind of where you think you're going to go and... Um, how are you going to fit into a club? And like I know for me, I was speaking to a couple of clubs really closely. I sort of started to picture myself there and um, how I'd go there and where I'd fit in there and what position I'd play there. So I think when I when, when Carlton did select me, I, I kind of had to um, those thoughts that I had and those I guess preparations that I had sort of had to take a back seat and I sort of had to you know redo all that again, but. Apart from that, I didn't really have a, a go-home factor. Obviously, with Port being in the mix, it was one where it's like, oh, it'd be nice to, to sort of stay home and get picked by an Adelaide club. But um, for me, it was it was just happy to be drafted. And, and to be completely honest, like out of out of all the clubs, I think who had the next 10 picks, um, Carlton was, was one of the biggest clubs and, and probably the, the best selection for me. Do you remember the day walking into the Blues for the first time and... Was it uh, the coach? Was the coach there to meet you? What happened on that first day when you walked into the Blues? Yeah, yeah. So we, um, so there's three of us. I got drafted. Myself, Nick Graham, and Tom Tomei. and um, we were staying at we were staying at the hotel just across the road from from the club. And and we said be like they said be at the club at eight a.m. or nine a.m. or whatever it was. And this was when the boys were, um, I think they were still on off season or they just finished a camp, so they had a few days off. Um, so there was no one really in the club. So we, we walked in there with the um, player welfare manager and um, the first person we ran into was, was Mick. So I think Mick had us for probably about the next four or five hours and we ended up, he ended up taking us for about a 20-kilometre altitude bike session and um, did some running on the ground. So it was sort of a, a welcome, welcome to a footy club and get stuck straight into it from Mick. I think he just sort of wanted to stamp his authority on it a little bit. But... Yeah, I think that first day we, we only ran into a few of the boys that were floating in around the club. So it was a pretty quiet introduction for us, really. Um, I'm pretty sure I actually went over there for a couple of days and then was able to come back to Adelaide for three, four days because um, the boys were away from the club for about a week. Now, Mateus Philippou obviously went at pick 10 last night to St Kilda. Adam DeLoya, another Eagles boy, hopefully going to get picked tonight. Where do you potentially see... Adds he going in the draft and any other South Australian players you think might go? Yeah, look, I'd love to see Adzi get picked up. Um, he's, he's, he's a very good footballer. He's got a fantastic character and he's, he's a player who, if a club selects him, he's 
he's a guy you want on your list. He, you know, he's going to work hard. He's going to do all the right things, and um, he, he brings great culture to the club. I, I think, I think for him, hopefully in the third, fourth round, uh, potentially, I can, I could see a Geelong or a Sydney type taking him. Um, I could see them trying to mould him um, into into the player they want him to be, in, and I can see him fitting really well. Um, as a person and his characteristics into those clubs. So I think there too, that that could be a sneaky chance to take him. Um, it's going to be interesting with, with the Adelaide boys. You have you have a lot of the under-18s coming through, but there's also the, the guys like your Brett Turners and all that who are coming off a list who who you don't know, like may get, may get picked up again and may get a, a second lifeline. Um, but then again, like with, with clubs, we don't know how deep this draft's going to go. So... Uh, are certain clubs only going to take two, three, four selections? Um, are we going to see a, a, a deep pool of the draft going? Um, it's, I guess it's all up in the air at the moment with, with that a little bit. It's one of the more, I guess, doubtful ones that we've had in the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. It is with only potentially 50 picks taken. There's not as many as there was, I guess, when you were drafted, maybe 80, and I was probably a similar amount or a similar number. So... Just before we let you go, uh, Soccer World Cup, we're going to touch on it in a second. Uh, I don't know if we have us yet. Who's your pick to win the Soccer World Cup? We've talked about it a little bit with uh, what teams are standing out. And do you think Australia will go through to the next stage? Yeah, so I, I did. I picked Argentina at the start of the tournament. I think they had their kick up. Um, they're back on track now. They should get through. They should be interesting because if Australia do get through, it's probably going to be an Argentina-Australia matchup in the round of 16. Um, so I, I'm still rooting for Argentina. I think Brazil looked very strong. Um, they're the other ones to beat, I think. Um, and with Australia, I, I think we can hold on for a draw. I think we can hold on for a draw, and I think we'll scrape through. I second that. I agree with you there. Troy Menzel, thanks for joining us here on Sports Day SA. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Troy. There you go, Bon. So we pivoted. We got Troy on to talk about his draft experience. Uh, some really good names in the top 10 there of his draft. It's, yeah, but it's a very, very healthy draft. Um, it's good to uh, have some contacts too, isn't it? It is. It's handy that it uh, you've got a brother that plays footy and <laughs> we can call him at the last minute and get him in. Absolutely. That's Credit nice. to uh, Sammy, our producer here, for getting him on the line. He talked about his draft story and not being certain where he was going to go. I think a lot of players do experience this as the draft is just kicking off for tonight. We are on the clock at pick 22 with the GWS Giants, uh, about five minutes to make their pick. I think you'll see it go through much quicker tonight than what it did last night. Yeah, but I think so too. I think uh, just one quick one from my situation, my draft bonds. I agree with Troy in the way that a lot of clubs say things, but it doesn't actually come off. One uh, interesting one that I haven't talked about a lot was Brisbane Lions were really keen on me, and they okay. they came and visited my house multiple times, which isn't that common for clubs to do. They might meet you in their city or in Melbourne when you're doing draft yeah. camp or something. And they had pick 15, and their recruiter had said to me, we're really keen to take you. We, we really want you at 15. And then about a week or two before the draft happened, Brendan Favola got traded from Carlton to Brisbane. And it was pick 15 that Brisbane gave up to go to Carlton. Right. And they were on the phone the next day and said, look, we are not going to get you. We've got pick 29. We think you'll be gone by then. So all the best for your career. And, uh, yeah, we won't wow. see you again. And that's how it, Sliding doors moment. It is absolutely a sliding doors moment. And that's how it worked out. And obviously went at pick 17 to Geelong. 
Uh, so, yeah, so if that Brennan Favola did, trade didn't happen, then I might have been a Brisbane Lion. But uh, there is so many stories, so many interesting ones with that. I threw in Jimmy Tumpus there about being picked up by Melbourne and they didn't choose Ollie Wines. Um, throwing him under the bus a little bit there, Jimmy. But every single draft has that story. I got drafted before Nat Fife. So there you go, Bonds. Some interesting decisions that yes. come back to haunt teams. But let's move uh, really quickly onto the Soccer World Cup. Now, Portugal played overnight. Yes. You caught this game. And there was an interesting thing that happened in this match. <laughs> Ronaldo claimed a goal. So Bruno Fernandes kicked the goal. Well, scored a goal from decent distance out and it went over the head of Ronaldo. And Ronaldo celebrated like he'd got a, got a touch on it. He did. He did, and which is incredible. Uh, it's it's caused some controversy or controversy, however you want to say it, around the world uh, in terms of this. Messi is obviously been a massive focal point throughout this World Cup and now Cristiano Ronaldo too. But they are going well, Portugal. They've got a, a couple of wins on the board. They beat Uruguay 2-0. Brazil soldiering on 1-0 winners over Switzerland last night. The Cameroon and Serbia match was incredible. 3-3. Yes, I saw a bit of that as well. Six goals when there hasn't been a lot of goals or hasn't been noted for that in this Serbia World Cup. Serbia just, just, there was some horrible defensive Oh, they capitulated, the didn't game, they? Yeah. They were 3-1 up. They should have won that game. And South Korea lost narrowly 2-3 to Ghana. So it keeps Ghana's hopes alive in the Soccer World Cup. Australia plays, as we touched on before, tomorrow night. So it is Wednesday night, Thursday morning, 1.30 a.m. here in South Australia. So tune in for that one if you can stay up late or you're going to set your alarm. Just going back to Ronaldo, him claiming that goal when there was at least – it was miles between his head and the ball. Is that similar to – a cricketer taking a big half volley and then throwing it in the air and going, yeah, I've caught that, no problems. <laughs> it is it, it is, and it isn't because it's still a goal compared to a cricketer when it's potentially well, actually not out. But it's not a bad comparison you draw because that clearly was not his goal. Uh, I, I, I just don't – like – we spoke about we spoke about him uh, the other the other night about how you know he's a good looking rooster he's got plenty of money and all these all this cash and his life's almost perfect but do you have to do that if if you're Ronaldo you have to claim a goal when it's not yours you absolutely don't have to claim a goal when it's not yours when you've you've got as we said the other night the most followers on Instagram in the world as well as everything else you have. It's like me claiming I'm a Ken Farmer medalist when clearly <laughs> the only person in this room that's one of Ken Farmer is you. Maybe one day, Bonds. Maybe one day. But let's move from that onto the NBA. Let's touch on the NBA and boy, oh boy, your Celtics are going Woo-hoo! as well as anyone in the NBA. They are flying. Um, and again, we're keeping a lid on it. I know you uh, want it to be under the radar. But um, we have probably got, if not the best player in the competition at the moment, he's in the top three in Tatum. Uh, they, they've they just put together a fantastic roster. Losing the coach at the start of the season has meant nothing. So nothing. It's the, incredible. It, it, the, stand-in, the stand-in coach is just up to the plate. He's, they've been fantastic, the Celtics, and they're just getting the jobs done week after game after game after game. They look like the team to beat. They do look like the team to beat. The 76ers got a win today with Joel Embiid back in action. They needed him back on the court. The Brooklyn Nets won as well. And I'm not sure if you saw this game, Bonds, but the Indiana Pacers on the back of 
Nemhard's buzzer beater beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Absolutely incredible. They were 17 points down with 10 minutes to go. The pain continues for the Los Angeles Lakers. It's, um, I don't, how would LeBron feel? <laughs> like he's had so much success in his career and so many comparisons to, you know, being the greatest of all time and also all, all those sorts of things. And he's gone to LA, one of the biggest franchises in the NBA, and it just hasn't worked for him yeah, at all. It hasn't worked. Oh, they won one championship, I guess. But it, They did, but since then it's all been downhill. Um, so it's, uh, it's a struggling situation there in Los Angeles. Let's finish with getting back onto the AFL draft bonds. And let's talk about a few of these South Australians. Mateus Filippo or Filippo has been drafted last night as well as Max Michelini. And we now have another one gone at pick 23. Harry Barnett from the West Adelaide Football Club. He made his league debut in round 14 over there in the Sample. So again, another player that's experienced senior football. And there's a club going for a need as well. So the first Ruckman taken, we know Nick Nat knew he's towards the back end of his career. And, you know, you've obviously got Callum Jamison and Bailey Williams and these young fellas in the mix. There's a great opportunity for Harry to now... There we have it, the feed from Fox Sports. Uh, Fox footy there covering the draft. Harry Barnett, pick 23. He is a ruckman, as it was touched on there, that Nick Nanui's coming to the end. There is going to be opportunities. There's some good young tools there, but there's definitely going to be opportunities to allow him develop to develop underneath Nick Nat from the West Adelaide Football Club, another product out of West Adelaide drafted. Yeah, called a couple of his uh, his last game, games at the end of the year, and he, he does move really well for a big kid. Uh, obviously, he needs to build the body up, and and but very raw. But certainly, you could see straight away, oh, this kid's got some talent. Absolutely, you can. And there's a few more as well. So if you are listening to us right now and you are watching Fox Footy, which would be a great way to do it, is <laughs> on mute, obviously, and listening to us here, Bonds. Is <laughs> obviously. A couple of names. Isaac Keeler from North Adelaide, one to look out for. I'm predicting that he's going to go in the next 10 to 15 picks. Uh, Harry Barnett, obviously, is just gone. Adam DeLoyer, we're hoping he's going to go tonight. We hope so, as as uh, Eagle Boys. Uh, we hope that Adam goes through. He, the character keeps getting spoken about with Adam, and, and the clubs love a player with good character. And so I think that's part of the reason he gets picked up tonight. Yes, I agree. Billy Dowling's another one from North Adelaide. Good player. Very really good, good player. player. I've seen him play too. Some real upside to him as well. So I think that he will get his chance. Any mature age prospects we're thinking might go? There's been a couple raised, but we're not sure if there will be one called tonight. Yeah, not sure. I, I one, of, one of the sample guys that I'd like to see is Jack Hurd at Norwood. He had a fantastic year, developed over the over the year. Uh, he is a really good sized defender. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, and he's not overly old. He's in, I think, he's twenty two, maybe twenty three at the oldest. He is, yes, yeah. So, I think uh, Jack Hurd's one that could go. Frankie Zeckley from North Adelaide's got some great speed. I'm not sure whether clubs will pick him up. Yeah, not sure whether he'll go, but he was the one that I was probably going to mention is that he's got those attributes that clubs look for, got the speed. He can be that pressure forward that teams uh, so much want on their list. And so he can lay tackles in the forward line. He knows how to kick a goal and he covers the ground really well as well. So he's one to look out for tonight in terms of the mature age picks. Uh, Jacob Ryan is another name. Um, From the the Bays. Yep. 
Um, so there is, there's a number of players. We said more than six would go tonight. There's been one from South Australia already, which was at pick 23. We are on to pick 24, which is the Western Bulldogs. And so that selection we will bring to you as soon as we see it, as soon as we get it pop up on the screen, if we are still if, on the if air, bonds, Don't run out of time. Which we are. It's Charlie Clark, uh, who is a general forward from the Western Bulldogs. So they're going to show the highlights here. He's from Victoria. He plays like Cody Waitman. So they got another player, like for like, at the Bulldogs. Oh, wow. You're going to count fit both of them in the forward line? Well, maybe you can. That's uh, They love pressure forwards in the AFL. And so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the forward line they're looking for. Uh, a guy who's a goal sneak, can kick goals. Um, Waitman is a pressure forward, but as much as anything, he does bob up and kick three, four, five goals a game, mm. which is very handy for them. Yeah, um, I know we've only got uh, a minute or so to go. I just want to mention um, NBL last night. Taipans beat the Kings in overtime. Uh, they really shouldn't have beaten the Kings in overtime. DJ Hogue hit back-to-back threes to force it into overtime. Sydney led by six points with 40 seconds to go and somehow lost the game. Uh, the Sixers take on the Taipans this Friday night, and we'll be calling that for NBL Live, myself and Rupert Sapwell. So you can tune in about 7 o'clock on Friday night. On Friday night. There you have it. So, Bonds, enjoy your three days off now. Yeah, it's, it's test match time. It is test match time. It starts tomorrow at 11 a.m. here in South Australia. Australia takes on the West Indies from Perth. So tune into that one. And if you're keen to continue on watching the Soccer World Cup, 1.30 tonight, the games start between Ecuador and Senegal and the hosts play their last game, Qatar versus Netherlands. So tune in for that one or set the alarm, 5.30 in the morning is England versus Wales or Iran versus USA. That's all we've got time for and we'll be back with you next week on Sports Day SA. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV.